2: Ty Richardson is the co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas. He's on X at Ty Sports Radio, and I haven't talked to him in quite a while. Now, you heard from him last week with Sparky, but I get to catch up with him. Ty, what's happening, brother? I'm hearing this
0: beautiful voice on a Wednesday oh, night. Yes. I mean, Taylor didn't kill you at your honeymoon last week, so Yes. the future is bright for the Coons, and... uh can't say the same about
2: Arkansas football. Oh gosh, I, we see. I was going to open on that. I didn't. I didn't want to hear the the straight up negativity from you off the top. But I guess I guess that's the only where only place that we can go. Um, and I guess I'm going to ask it this way. I'm going to ask it this way. Staring down the barrel at five straight losses going to Bama this weekend. Is Sam Pittman going to make it? I'm just. I I, I I I hate that I have to ask that question because I love Sam Pittman. I think there's still a lot of Arkansas fans that love him, but they want better results.
0: Yeah, they do, they deserve better results. I mean, I'm not. I think the the consensus Arkansas fan wants seven, eight wins a year, and compete for the SEC. Now, no longer the West title well, it's going to be this year in the final uh, and uh, enactment of that, but compete for maybe an SEC title every three or four. It might be four to five years now with Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. That is not that much of an ask. It's not like LSU or Bama or Georgia or even Florida whose fans expect to compete for the national championship and the SEC championship every year. And so Arkansas took a step back last year at 7-6, and, and they took another step back this year through a just a putrid offensive line that I I, I would guess that you watch and just want to yeah. throw up every it's, time it's, you watch It's, it's,
2: it's really disgusting because it has become now not just that they can't run the ball. They can't keep K.J. Jefferson upright. Five sacks against Ole Miss. I know Ole Miss is a decent pass rushing team, but damn, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's horrific, and it should be more, if not for KJ's nobility, Gabe. But this is just where they are right now. Honestly, they need to they need to follow the Gabe Coon show because I just saw the uh, the latest ratings in Memphis. You guys are kicking some, you know what? Hey, oh, we're not supposed to talk about that. that. Well, we're not
2: supposed to talk about that on the air, Ty Richardson. We're not supposed oh, to talk no. about. That. <laughs> no, but, hey, well, uh, yes, appreciate it though, regardless.
0: Yeah, but they're they're atrocious, and I don't think it's going to get any better on Saturday. Maybe in the last five games when your schedule lines up a little bit, but I'm not exactly. Uh, I'm more gloom and doom than I am happy and cheery right now.
2: Yeah, well, and the thing is, like coming into this year with Rocket Sanders and KJ Jefferson, you just think the 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 old line is going to be a given and. You feel okay defensively, maybe they'll improve at least a tad, but nothing and has come. I mean they they, they but like nothing has all it has not come together in in equaled wins. And now granted, like we're talking about three of the four three of their four losses are by one score or less. And I don't you know, like that that's tough. I don't think anyone takes any type of moral victory from that though, by any stretch of the imagination. Like they're competitive as hell, but you gotta win ball games in the SEC to keep your damn job
0: yeah you do and no one wants anything bad to happen to Sam Pittman genuinely people love him but this is going the wrong direction and yes again your original question was is, is something going to happen to Sam Pittman I think the only way that he could be let go after this season is if they lost every single game the rest of the way now if they somehow pulled out one against four international and he didn't want a single other SEC game that's Chad Moore's territory and that is in some people's minds a fireball offense i don't know if i'm going to be loud and boisterous that you need to clean house because he does have a good recruiting class coming in and that but at a certain point you've got to win ball games and they are regressing unfortunately maybe they 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 peaked a year early in his second year when they won nine games but i mean a a a six or a, a six win regular season and maybe less is that is not exactly a recipe to keep your job, Gabe.
2: So you brought up Texas and Oklahoma. It's only going to get harder from here in the SEC. It's strange. Before the year, and I I think when the announcement was made they were going to join the SEC, we had this conversation about, oh, they're going to be uh, middle of the pack. Uh, Texas at that time, you're thinking, okay, they'll be cellar dwellers. I don't think that anymore. Oklahoma beats Texas on that uh, throw from Dylan Gabriel to Nick Anderson. Uh, that's a top-five team now. That's the fifth-ranked team in the AP poll in Oklahoma. Texas is still right up there. Where do you think, and I've asked this all week to various different guests, where do you think they rank? Like if you if you were putting them in the SEC this year and did your SEC power rankings, where would Texas and Oklahoma fall?
0: Well, we saw Texas beat the second-best team in the SEC in Alabama. But I think – I mean, then we saw Oklahoma. It's, they would be in the mix. Both of them would be in the mix as a top-six team. I don't know if you could say top-three, but like top-six, it's kind of giving it a little bit of edge. I think it would be a great game to see them go up against Texas A&M, either team, which we'll see next year in College Station for at least Texas and Texas A&M, the rivalry that's coming back. I think Oklahoma taking on Tennessee would be another great game. I know Tennessee is underwhelmed a little bit offensively, but I still think that would be a great football game. So I would probably, yeah, put them in that top six range. And right. I, I think you'd, again, have some ferocious matchups. And I, I, when you say middle of the road, like, again, people say, well, 16 teams, you put them in eight, nine. I, 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 my middle of the road in the SEC to me so you got Alabama and Georgia, LSU, again, at times is right there. Middle of the road is like, to me, it's like three through, I don't know, three through nine, three through eight. It's not exactly right down the middle. That's more middle of the road to me that they're going to be buying for that second or third spot over, excuse me, third or fourth spot overall in the SEC.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I hear that. I hear, I, but, like, it's hard for me. Like, I just look at that top four right now, and you see that, uh, like, if if, if they're the, just in general the top four in the SEC this year, because of Texas's win over Alabama, I feel like you sort of default them ahead of Alabama. And then Oklahoma just beat Texas, so you may put them over. I feel like this is like Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, Bama is where I would rank them right this second. But that's based on team math, and we know that that's not always the, the best way to go. That's not always the most uh, accurate way to rank teams. But it yeah. is is what it is. They, the point being, they are substantially more ready for the SEC than we originally thought. I think I think you'd agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's a fair assessment, and I'll also say this. I mean, I didn't think much of Dylan Gabriel being a Heisman candidate, but you have to put him there based yep. on the Oklahoma. It's, he could be in the in the same situation. Baker Mayfield found, found himself in, Kyler Murray, and then Jalen Hurts to a certain degree. We know he didn't win it, but, I mean, Oklahoma is not going to face as near a battle as they did this last week in Dallas, Texas, and so if they went out, they win the Big 12, Dylan Gabriel's got a very great case if he keeps playing the way he's playing. You mentioned that throw to wind up in New York at the high yep. ceremony because Ewers is not going to be there, I don't think, anymore after losing that game. And he definitely was in that category. Maybe he turns it on. Maybe hey, I say that. What about a rematch in the title game? I mean, is anyone yep. is anyone saying against that at
2: this point? Those are the best two. I teams would bet on that. Throw. I'd bet on that happening. Because 100%. Oklahoma only has what? Uh Kansas is a ranked team down the stretch? Now There's some tough – I mean, TCU, like there's some things they're going to have to battle with, but I I like the way the the schedule falls for Oklahoma to be an undefeated team going into the Big 12 championship.
0: Yeah, and that would be a rematch. I think Texas would ultimately win. It is so hard to beat a team twice in college football. As I think if Texas ended up winning that game, which I actually see happening, then they'd rematch against uh, possibly Alabama, and I think Texas would lose that matchup because Saban is so hard to beat once, much less twice. We've seen that before. So I would take that in that situation, to be honest, Gabe. And I I think rematches get – people either love them or hate them. The idea of seeing that game again in the Big 12 championship is appealing to me. The idea of seeing Texas and and Alabama in the college football playoff would be electric. And I hate both teams. But I'd like
2: to see that rematch. Um, I'll get to Alabama in a second, but Georgia's at the top of all these rankings. We're talking SEC in the country, AP poll, coaches poll, they're at the top. And I don't know about you, and I know Kentucky could be, you know, like their, their win over Florida, the reason they were in the rankings may be you know, it may be sort of flash in the pan. You know, you may not uh, believe in, in exactly what they were able to do in dismantling Florida because Florida's not that good. Florida may have gotten a little bit a uh, little bit more credit than they deserve when Kentucky faced them. But Georgia impressed the hell out of me this past weekend. 51-13 to 13 dismantling. I mean, just limb from limb. And, like, I think the biggest thing for Georgia, we know the defense is there. We know they'll be able to run the ball. Good old line. Carson Beck looks like a dude. And he's top 4 in the country right now in passing yards, qu- very quietly.
0: And I hate that cuz I was hoping he'd be the Achilles heel of that football team and at least at this point he hasn't been. I can picture Gabe with his his now wife over in their honeymoon just like that that circulating video out there of watching a Georgia football game and his his wife just shaking his head. That that to me is hysterical. Right. Did you watch any did you watch any football? on your honeymoon be honest see, I did everything closer. I
2: did everything I could I got to catch the Red River rivalry on uh, on an iPad sitting poolside so it was pretty nice but outside of that okay. I didn't get to catch a whole bunch unless it was on the TV at night I saw uh Notre Dame and Louisville Notre Dame that Oof. was that was good god Jeff Brom shout out to Jeff Brom but Notre Dame looked at the end of that game just not they didn't look uh, uh into it they just sort of yeah. they just sort of withered away uh, but I got to see a little bit um, but I get—I did get to catch most of the Red River rivalry.
0: Yeah, Georgia, te- again, I, I got sidetracked there. Georgia, the original point, it looks like – I mean, they're going to sleepwalk through some games just because they don't feel like certain opponents are worth their time. Even Auburn, that's a huge rivalry game. I mean, Auburn, I don't think, has thrown for over 100 yards against a Power 5 opponent this season. I mean, Hugh Freeze is going to have quarterback issues this year, not after that, but that is something – that, Georgia, that that coaches like Kirby Smart, who have such talent and such momentum when it comes to their programs, have to battle year in, year out, is, is apathy. And that's where Georgia is right now. You're going back-to-back national championships. You're trying for the trifecta for the first time. That's Minnesota teams back in the 40s or 30s or whatever. So there's going to be lumps. It's just a matter of, hey, can you get by with the talent you have, even when they're not fully up for it, and do what they did on Saturday, when an opponent actually walks into their stadium at night that people are excited about, they blow the doors off of them, and that's exactly what they did at Kentucky. And Mark Stoops.
2: Now, tell me if you'd ever if you ever thought you'd hear this this sentence said about an Alabama Nick Saban coached Alabama team in general. Alabama has offensive line issues. Did you ever expect to hear that?
0: Yeah, their Arkansas, of course, has the worst in the SEC, but Alabama's up there, and they. Really, has it just been this year? Last couple years, they've they've been questionable, and you're just like, this doesn't make any sense.
2: Well, and they have dudes, though, Ty. Like, J.C. Latham's going to be a first-round pick. Uh Uh, Like, Darian Dalcourt's a solid, very solid guard. Um, their left tackle's a five-star Caden Proctor. Now, he looks a little bit slow, and maybe he's not as developed as he should be. And, you know, a true freshman starting in the SEC at left tackle is always tough, but he's a guy who will probably be a pro at some point. They have dudes up there. They just, they, they have not put it together. They can't keep Jalen Millarow upright. Against A&M, 26 rushes for 23 yards. Yeah. I, it's amazing.
0: Here, Here's the, Gabe, you know this better than any other sports talk radio host in the country because you played offensive line continuity there is more important than any yep. position group on the football field. What has happened with the transfer portal is guys that were going to play two, three, even four years together, they're not. And this transfer, even if it's one guy on the offensive line, you know how much one guy or difference one guy could make in, in your playing days back in the day? Yep. And so you don't have guys that have played that many minutes together. And so – it's not just an Alabama or Arkansas issue. There are offensive line issues across the country because you're seeing more rapid transfers. That's the position group that gets affected more than anywhere else on the football field. And listen, I'm not shedding a tear over Alabama having right. offensive line issues. Let me tell you that.
2: Yeah, no, but it's it's about. And I, I'm glad you bring it up that way. It's about meshing. It's about knowing who to double team, when to double team them, how to double team them and, like, understanding how someone's going to set you up. It, 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 there's a lot more that goes into it than just moving men, right? Like, it's just yeah. you, you have to have a, a, a level of understanding and a little bit of uh, um, sort of back and forth, you know, how does this guy play next to me? And I don't think Alabama has that. I don't think Arkansas has that. I don't think a lot of teams around the country have that. Um, last thing on the SEC, and then I want to sort of cover the, the Week 7 matchups – LSU secondary, I think one twenty one, something like that. They're really bad. Like I, uh, I, horrible. I, I wanted to give them credit to win the SEC West, but and I knew that this was going to be their somewhat of their Achilles heel. I didn't think it'd be this bad, though.
0: Gabe, we I specifically remember I'm sitting next to a door at SEC Media Days, and we are talking about this exact same thing that said this could be because you you and I both picked them to win the West, right? And I didn't know they were going to have as bad of a secondary this year as Arkansas did have last year. LSU is so notorious for having outstanding
2: defensive endorsements. And that DBU, about, right? Like, arguably. Yeah.
0: Oh, no question. And Alabama's had some great guys too. But, I mean, you think about Tyron Matthew, Morris Claiborne, Patrick Peterson, Grant Delpit, Jamal Adams. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And Greg Brooks was the only guy that I could name on their secondary headed yep. into the season. And that's just because he's an Arkansas guy. And mm-hmm. we know, again, prayers yep. for him, Praise what for he's him. going through um but that, that i never thought in my lifetime and that i would say lsu is a terrible secondary because since i've been born they've had a great one you have to go back pre-sabin to find a lsu secondary that's as bad as they are in 2023
2: game. do you like the parody in college football that we see cuz like everybody it's strange cuz i think every year we always complain that there's not enough parity. It's always the same teams in the end of the day, and it could very well be that you know Georgia and Michigan look like the most dominant teams in college football right now. Ohio State could certainly join that conversation as well. But it feels like outside of those top three, top four teams, the parity is is really large. We we always want parity, um, but we don't usually get it at, at the level we're getting it this year. It feels.
0: And I think it's. So because of the transfer portal combined with NIL, and I love it. Yes, I love it, and I wish Arkansas could take advantage of it because you look at the SEC West, Alabama, while their defense is starting to pick up a little bit, this is one of the worst offenses that Nick Saban has had since he kind of moved to the right. spread. So they're beatable. You look at LSU, as great as they are offensively, terrible defense. A&M, kind of a little bit of both. They've had some good offensive games under Petrino, but they're more defensive. So this was the year Arkansas – and maybe Ole Miss takes advantage of it, advantage of it with only one SEO, but you got to take advantage of it if you're Arkansas or Mississippi State, and they didn't. So that's just one kind of snapshot of the SEC West. Again, you address college football, whether it's the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten probably still got Ohio State and Michigan, but even out when you go out um, east to the ACC, Florida State's better than they've been over the course of the last decade or so. So this is a a year that I have been really invested, and I got no idea who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I really don't. That, I I didn't follow it last. This first time in 20 years, I hadn't followed that race. But I'm really curious to see who ends up not just going to New York, but taking that trophy home with
2: them. Gabe, uh, Caleb Williams still looks like a a G, right? We'll see what Dylan <laughs> Gabriel continues to do. But like I, and I know that that USC team is not complete. That defense is just miserable. But when you look at Caleb Williams' numbers, it's going to be really hard to keep him away from New York. I think, it, what uh, you know, he's completing somewhere around uh, 72% of his passes, 22 TDs wow. to one INT, 1,800 yards. He's ran for 124 and six TDs. This dude, you know, it's weird because it feels like it's been kind of quiet because he – because the truth of the matter is USC has not played their best opponents, and maybe that's why his numbers look so good. But I still think against those really good opponents, he's going to put up numbers.
0: Explain to me why Alex Greenwich is still Lincoln <laughs> Riley's offensive coordinator.
2: Or defensive? Explain that. No, uh, yeah, no, no I apologize. Yeah, defensive. Ty, no earthly idea. I talked about it on Monday. It was the first, Like I came back from my my honeymoon, and it was the first thing on my mind, believe it or not. I go, what in the world? is A 3 OT game against Arizona? And, and, and not to mention, we're talking about a USC team that has to deal with Notre Dame at Notre Dame, then Utah the next week, then right after that they're going to go deal with Cal, then Washington, Oregon, UCLA. It, like, they have landmines for six straight games. This is going to be really hard for them to get done if Alex Grinch is their D coordinator. And there was a time where you sort of – Get, you say, oh, well, Lincoln Riley just trusts this guy too much. He's he's very loyal to him. But at some point, it has to fall on Lincoln's shoulders, right? It has to be a Lincoln Riley issue that he sticks by Alex Grinch.
0: Yeah, and this is a cutthroat sport. I mean, you've seen coaches let go, not just where you're in Memphis, but in various other – it's just part of the business. And it's – it's you, you have friends, of course, but at a certain point, like the threshold, when, it, when it's hit, you've got to – cut ties, and I just, for the life of me, I didn't understand it for a while with Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett. It just seems like the same thing every year, and they just did not let him go, but this just is the most, one of the more peculiar non-moves in all of college football each and every year, because the stats, and I realize their offense scores a lot, but their statistics on defense are horrific, and he will never, legitimately, I don't see USC winning the national championship as long as he's heading up the defense in Southern Cal.
2: Well, in like these last 6 games, I, I I I just sort of mold through the numbers, yards per game, they're bottom 25 in giving up yards per game and they have played, get this, San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado and Arizona. And they're <laughs> bottom 25 in yardage allowed. How does that look against Sam Hartman against uh, with Notre Dame? How does that look Uh, against uh, uh, Michael Penix, who's been lighting the world on fire, maybe could make his way to New York, likely could. How does that look like on the road against Bo Nix? How does that look like against a Chip Kelly-led offense with UCLA and Dante Moore sort of running the show there? That will be brutal. Like there's no – I am am willing to say, and I said this on Monday, there's no way, there's seemingly no way right now that I see through where – USC can make it to the Pac-12 championship unscathed. I think one or two losses is without question in order.
0: And that could cost Caleb Williams a repeated Heisman Trophy because as good as those stats you just read off, we know that sometimes great players are, and USC is still a really good football team, but we know stats, again, are sometimes in a situation where it's the best player on the best team, not right. necessarily the most important player on on or for his team and we when we know what williams does for that squad based on the defense and that could cost him a a repeat
2: heisman and don't we do everything we can with like a guy who's won the heisman who could repeat don't we do everything we can to try to tear down his resume so to see if he can to make sure he doesn't win a second straight one it sort of feels that way at times
0: i would yeah i would wholeheartedly agree with that which is i mean it, it shouldn't be that way but it is and I I wasn't a huge fan when Caleb Williams had the, the the tattoos and the and I'm forgetting the expletive that was on there, but I was like, hey man, like it, it, when you're in this when when you're on the break of winning a Heisman Trophy and stuff like that, you gotta you gotta have a little more class. But I love watching him play. He's not really
2: fantastic. the tattoos; it's the painted fingernails. Yeah, the pay, it was
0: the painted fingernails. i was not, not that's, that's, I, I apologize. I was, I was butchering how I said that. Right, yeah. now, but yeah. um, he's he's fantastic. He's phenomenal, and I love watching him play. I want to see what he can do against a Georgia or a Alabama defense because C.J. Stroud, everyone's like, oh, no chance C.J. Stroud and Harrison get it going. Well, when you have a dynamic quarterback paired with a incredible wide receiver like those two hooked up, you never know what could happen. I, Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you USC's wide receiver, but if he's got a go-to guy that he's slinging the rock to, that would be a fun semifinal matchup, let me tell you.
2: Uh, so I know you don't necessarily like cover out west as, as, as closely as you do the SEC and the SEC West in particular, but you love college football. Oregon or Washington this weekend? Like who who do you think? And obviously, we'll learn a lot about who who's going to be sort of in the driver's seat to win the Pac-12 because I think a lot of people are out on USC at the moment, considering their defense. But Oregon and Washington look very, very damn good. And Oregon, I think, is more complete. But Washington and Michael Penix and what he's able to do, throwing to Roma Dunsey, throwing to Jalen McMillan, it's its damn impressive.
0: Gabe, remind me, is that, is that game in Eugene or is that in Seattle?
2: That's in Seattle.
0: Okay, yeah, I would – I've watched – I'm just full disclosure here. I've watched a little more Oregon because of the Bo Nix-Auburn SEC connection and I right. saw what they did to Colorado. Um, but the fact it's – I would probably give the edge to Michael Penix and coming just there at home. These are two evenly matched football teams. I think Oregon probably has a little better defense. And again, I've watched. I'd be lying to you if I told you I've watched a ton of watching. I watched a little bit of them, but I would still, even with Oregon probably having a little better defense. And and I, I mean, I love Dan Landing. I I really like what he said uh, the other day, but. I would probably still get the ad to watch it. It's going to be a great football game. We have some good college football this yep. weekend. not and, just kind of in our neck of the woods.
2: Yeah, and tell me you're going to have eyes on all eyes on Memphis on Friday night, right? We have Memphis versus Tulane for the Ooh. group of five crown, at least for the mid for the mid season, at least. This is a okay, massive opportunity for Ryan to get back man, going Memphis, to get everybody back on his side.
0: Yeah, Memphis is again being being a Little Rock kid. I like Memphis. I've always had a soft spot for Memphis, and I hope Memphis fans always have a soft spot for Arkansas. Because you always feel like you're, to a certain degree, overlooked in, yep. in certain capacities. Arkansas with the SEC, Memphis with with various aspects of not just the city but the the college itself. So go go Tigers, man! I know yes, you got sir. a lot of Memphis Tiger fan listening. Uh, Tulane's good football team. Watching them get old Ole Miss. They have really had that Ole Miss game. I know they had that the backup quarterback in there, but. Uh, I hope your alma mater gets it done this weekend to get to the Greenway.
2: And you know what I'm hyped up about is I think, I think, and we'll keep this a secret, I think that the national viewing audience may tune in at least for the second half of that game because you know what follows that? Colorado at home versus Stanford. And we Ooh. know that that national audience tunes in for that. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping the uh, TV returns may be, uh, you may show a little bit of value to some, some power conferences when you see those TV returns. And made, it probably, you know, through the help of Prime and Shador Sanders and all them. But you know what? We'll take we'll take the help. That's fine.
0: We were talking about Caleb Williams earlier and how dazzling and exciting he is. I mean, I, Shador Sanders makes plays out of nothing. Here, here's a kid that comes over with his dad from in Jackson State, which we know the level of competition there in comparison to D1 football. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And what he does during the course of a game, the moves, the, the angles, the throws – yeah. And this is a this is a future NFL. This is not – I mean, he's got his dad's right. skill set. He's got his dad's energy. He's moxie. And I love uh, watching him play. I mean, he, he just is a – he's a showstopper. He's a dude. And he puts on a show every time he's on, whether it's national television or whatever he's doing. That guy that guy brings in the eyes just like his dad
2: in full circle moment here before I let you roll um, I love watching him I hate watching his o line play I just I cannot I did it makes my eyes bleed it yeah, is so man. miserably horrible it is well, so bad
0: that gave back goes back to our conversation with with prime bringing in all these guys out of the portal there's no continuity there and sometimes it gels and works like Michigan stayed with Mel Tucker a couple of years ago and sometimes it works as it like for the most part, as a team, but sometimes a, a, whether it's a unit or an entire side of the football, it just doesn't fit. Yep. And when coaches do this, and he again, he went he went far and above how most coaches reconstruct their rosters even out of the portal. There's going to be more ups and downs than you see during a course of a team that has played together for a couple of different years. I don't listen. The it, how you get to the the baked cake with icing on top doesn't really matter to me as long as it is that finished product. That's how coaches yeah. are going to start viewing this. And there's going to be more coaches out there that follow the prime method than the Agreed. traditional way of recruiting.
2: Agreed. No doubt about it. But, Ty, appreciate it, man. Good to talk to you again.
0: Hey, good to, good to hear from you again. I'm glad you got back from the honeymoon, and uh, good luck to the Tigers. Yes, sir.
2: Go Tigers. Go Tigers. That is Ty Richardson at TIE Sports Radio on X, uh, co-host of the Morning Rush 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday on ESPN Arkansas, SEC Football savant there's no question how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas
0: phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the
2: same garage